all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. While she drops another casual line. You're tuned in to Casually Molly with Molly and Bergie. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie, based here in St. Louis. We interview guests each week. They are comedians, artists, entertainers, just a variety of everything that you could possibly imagine. Uh, but today, we have a lovely guest in house. We have matching jean jackets for those tuning in on YouTube. Give it up for St. Louis based comedian Meredith Hopping. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know if there was going to be an applause sound bite. You, you know, we, maybe we should look into that. <laughs> yes, yes. Women are resourceful. Yeah, we are. We are resourceful. Before we get into Meredith's interview, though, uh, Meredith, are you interested in any house prints or jewelry for your uh, collection of artistry? Always. Always. Well, I think you should tune into our partners at the Serial Sweetheart Art. Do you want to hear a little bit more about I them? I would love to. Uh, absolutely. Speaking of women being resourceful, see, this is why we have this girl on, okay? We got we to gotta partner up here. Uh, this is a woman-founded company by my dear friend, Dave. Dana Schmitty, who was partnered with us for this month for mm-hmm. Women's History Month. Uh, check her out at Serial Sweetheart Art on Instagram, Facebook. She's got a great Etsy shop. Uh, so just support your, um, I'll just basically, you're just artists, just anybody that you yeah. like. If you like print, if you like jewelry, you're going to want to check this girl out. Um, but yeah, it's like kind of some serial fun stuff and also some sweet things for your significant other, your family, your mom, anybody. Just hit her up at Serial Sweetheart Art. Uh, but Meredith. Back to us. I'm just happy to have you here. You two very pale ladies. Yes, two very pale ladies. (laughs) I was hoping for more alliteration there. There isn't. It's just (laughs) no ladies in the loo. Ooh, I can't wait. How has no one used that? How? You could just follow up Meredith Hopping. That would be great. If you're watching again on YouTube, you will see the uh, bottom handle. It's fine. Uh, Meredith, I, first of all, I said this earlier, but for listeners, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding me? Uh, She, listen, I know you can't see it right now, but she's got this great green jumpsuit on, and I'm a huge fan of cheetah print. She's got some leopard cheetah print heels on. I mean, lift it up. (laughs) Would it be a Meredith Hopping podcast if her leg wasn't in the air at one point? Without my glaring calf muscle. Blinding. The, we gotta show put a trigger up. warning before this episode, please. <laughs> you may want to wear your sunglasses. Wear your sunglasses for the calf or the cheetah print <laughs> heel. Um, Chris Denman, who owns the, or he's a co-founder, excuse me, of the Midcoast Media, made us these lovely drinks. I forget the name of the drink. Just opening didn't roofie him, yep. right? <laughs> oh God, you can't say things like that now. Oh, he would never, never, he never, would never, never. never. Oh. <laughs> but uh let's talk about <laughs> and it's not okay roofing is bad it's yeah that is definitely not something to get behind oh my gosh <laughs> speaking of you know things to get behind though meredith and i did go to an open mic on monday called big daddies where yes. i ran into her and i was like hey girl you need to come on my podcast because i haven't seen you in a hot minute and uh i usually use this as an excuse i for people I haven't seen in a minute, uh, just because of the pandemic. And I wanted to kind of highlight, you are one of my favorite people because when I first met you, <laughs> uh, Key, you're going to find this really funny. Key, it's going to be Listen, Key. And listen, Key. And anybody that is listening right now. Uh, in St. Louis, we are, we're very fortunate at the comedy scene that we have. And Meredith did welcome me with open arms. You and your uh, comedy partner, Sam Lyons. Yes. Yes. Love him. He also runs St. Louis Independent Comedy with myself mm-hmm. and Yale Hollander and Chris Sear. Uh, you had a showcase at the Gesselig. Yes. Um, that was yours, mine, and, and ours. ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, are you still going to maybe do that when the pandemic I is over? I don't think so. So I helped my boy, Sam Lyons, mm-hmm. uh, get the job of co-host of NPR Story Collider. Oh, yes. That yeah. was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so I'm you're kind welcome, of like, you're welcome. <laughs> Where would you be without Meredith? Me. <laughs> 
Sam jokes that I, when I went through my divorce, he was super, super supportive mm-hmm. and I got to stay at his place a lot. Um, when I didn't have any place to stay, but we were after a funny bone open mic, we went to train wreck and I had maybe had a few drinks. Yeah. As um, you do at the train wreck saloon for those and of you who as aren't a, familiar. As a woman in her mid thirties does when divorcing. Um, but <laughs> so these guys came up to him and they were drunk and they were like, let me touch your hair. No, they didn't. And I was like, I started bawling and I was like, oh my God. it's not, it's not just a bit. It's yeah. not just a bit. It's real. Cause right. he has a joke about people touching his hair, asking to touch his hair as, and he's a, he's a black man. And so, right. um, he was just like, how are you right now crying about people inappropriately trying to touch my hair and making this about you. Oh shit. <laughs> like you're still finding a way <laughs> to make someone being racist towards me oh, no. about you. <laughs> oh my God. So I mean, yeah, but you're that's a woke sense. white woman for you. That's peak woke white woman. Well, earlier I was saying, because I was like, you know, this podcast is obviously named after me, but I was like, Meredith, we're in a safe space to make this about you because I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. But shout out to Sam Lyons. I haven't yes. seen him in a minute, Sam. I hope you're doing really well. Um, but speaking of like you, you are definitely a super supportive person, though, because that's this is when I was like a lot newer to comedy and I was trying to like check out the different shows yeah. and I showed up at your show and you were so sweet. You're like, here's this person here's, and I was like, you know, you're introducing me to everybody. And then I sat down and I guess some guys were creeping on me mm-hmm. and I didn't know it, but yeah. Yale Hollander told me afterwards, he's like, yeah, Meredith hopping and Yale Hollander, for those of you who don't know him, he's been on the podcast. He's great. Uh, in the St. Louis comedy scene here, he's like our Jewish dad slash mm-hmm. uncle. Uh, he helps run St. Louis independent comedy as well. Um, he was like, yeah, Meredith came up to me out of all people and was like, hey, those guys are creeping on Molly. Can you like keep a lookout for her? And he's like, and here I am now. I'm joining in with these guys <laughs> on you. Because we just don't see Yale as a sexual no, being at all. Not at all. And he's um, just cracking up. And I was like, oh my God. No, because it takes a village. That's how ridiculous it is to be a woman in a public place. Right. I knew that I would have to be on stage doing stuff and like. You're like, Yale is a safe person to do this for. Take care of it, Yale. And then during the same show, uh, I'm just going to say it. Richie James was in it. And this is when he was, he's like my little brother in comedy, but he Mm -hmm. grew up from this experience. He goes up there in front of people who I don't know. And he's like, um, I know we're all nervous because Molly Ambergie is here. (laughs) And I was like, what? And your church friends were there. And they all just kind of stared at me. I was like, Hi, Meredith's church friends. Yeah. Very nice to meet you. I was like, what? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Richie is someone who uh, my ex-husband is a pastor. And so I had quite a few church related friends uh, and a pastor who was also like an adjunct professor messaged me on Facebook and said, I've got this student that's really interested in stand-up comedy. Can I pass along your info? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. So then after Richie being at a few open mics, he comes up to me and he says, yeah, my professor says this person's name. Shut up. Gave me your info, but I went and looked at your profile and saw you were married and decided to not contact you anymore. So, Richie, you've made your rounds, buddy. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Richie, you were doing it for the wrong reasons. The wrong reasons. Calling you out, man. I know Mm -hmm. you've grown since then, though, so I appreciate it. But, you know, you, Meredith, like I said, you are uh, really active in the comedy scene here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background for those of you who don't know you personally, how you got into comedy? I got into comedy. I I was a theater major. Me too. (laughs) We don't really like people to know that, though, about. 
about us because there are times when theater majors will get up to do stand up and you know immediately that they were theater, theater majors. majors. So it almost I almost have some pride in the fact that people didn't know right. for a while yeah, that totally. I was a theater major. A theater and opera major grew up. I'm the granddaughter of daughter and ex-wife of pastor. So like lots of public speaking opportunities. My mom is a communications professor. But I had I never tried doing stand-up or improv because at Illinois State University where I went for undergrad for theater, the funny people were the funny people, right? Mm -hmm. And you didn't necessarily infiltrate the funny people. That's very true. Like the improv group was very hardcore. And that improv group is now like the Try Guys on BuzzFeed. So it's not like, and my friend Caitlin Barlow has created teachers on, on Nick at, what's Nick at, TV land. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like people who have done amazing things, yeah, right? Absolutely. And so like my intimidation was real and warranted, but I wasn't about to try to be funny. And it wasn't until my senior year in an auditioning class, a professor was like, oh, Meredith, you're funny. <laughs> I'm just like, could we have done anything about this in the past four years. That's usually like, how it goes. What? Senior year is when things suddenly start to happen. You're like, where was this three years ago? I'm so ago? glad I'm in debt Right. you to say now mm-hmm. in my last semester, you're funny. So <laughs> had some life, got married super young, had three babies, and I had my third child, my son, Valentine's Day of 2017 mm-hmm. and Trump had also just gotten inaugurated. Yeah. And I, between postpartum depression and Trump, I was at my wits end and I had always, when I turned 30, I had made a list of like, these are 30 things I'm going to try now that I've turned 30. Mm-hmm. And in my uh, perfectionist head, I was going to do all of them that year. Oh, that's how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, However, one of them was stand up. And so I was like, I've got to do it. Like I can, I'll try it. It'll be something tangible that I will have control over because if I go up there and no one laughs, there's no one to blame but me. And so it was, there was a sense of controlling my environment, like grasping onto what I do have control over. And when the first time I was going up, so I researched, oh, the funny boat is super close to my house at mm-hmm. the time. I know that you have to have four minutes. I know you get up no matter what, if it's your first time doing stand up. And so I'm going to write my four minutes and I'm going to do it. And so I'm waiting to go up and the person right before me is bombing. Oh yeah. Like to a painful extent. And so my friends were texting me like, stop, look away, (laughs) look away (laughs) because your empathy is going to get going and you're going to be so distracted and feel so bad for them. Oh, that's so you're sweet. You're not going to be able to like, focus. And they were right. Aww. Like they were right. But it's super funny because I went up and I did, uh, I did my first set and that first laugh as I'm sure you can completely, uh, relate to that Mm -hmm. first laugh is like I imagine what crack is like Mm -hmm. um the feeling is the most intoxicating thing ever and I think especially for me at that time with Trump and everything everything felt so out of control and it felt like are we really watching this happen and so to do something and say words that then sparked joy in people and like caused this reaction. It was the most life giving thing ever. And I, I'm a pretty spiritual person and I audibly heard God, the universe, whatever, when I'm doing my first set, say, this is how you're going to get rid of your husband's student loan debt. Really? So in my head, I'm like, I'm going to make it big so (laughs) fast and pay off because my husband had like over a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah. So a lot. And it was a big, like weight on us. And so as I'm like starting to do showcases that pay like $20 a pop, I was Mm -hmm. like, God, 
this isn't happening as fast as I thought it was. And then my husband filed for divorce and I don't have his student loan debt anymore. There you go. So God Sometimes took you. it just doesn't look the way we think it's going to look. It doesn't look, but you know, I mean, if you are, like God did take you or the whoever took you in a good direction. Right. And now you're here on the Casually Molly podcast. Cheers Woo! to that. Yep. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, I, uh, like I said, I just remember you always being really kind to me. And then when you told me you were a theater major, I was like, oh my God, yeah. I was too. But when I met you, you were a blonde. And yes. yes, I was a blonde and married. Yes. And you mm-hmm. look, like I said, you look great both as a blonde, as a brunette. Um, but what I really, honestly, Meredith, and I'm pretty sure I've told you this just as friends, but what I really respect about you is you, cause I'm 30 now mm-hmm. and you're telling your story about yeah. you being 30. So I kind of look up to you and that's just to me. I kind of look up to she you. She has to look up to me. She ha- I have to. I'm six feet tall. <laughs> she does look up to me. I've got here we'll it's show off my cap that, hold on yes, here I've got my shoes on Molly's today. cap and she's still much shorter than me I love it it's all right I um no I was standing next to Jimmy at, the other day and I was like did you get taller and he's like babe I think you're just wearing flats today and I was just <laughs> like okay so I'm yeah. short thank you five I always After try to be pandemic, like pandemic different shoes will make you feel real different for real yeah. I used to remember I was like oh I'm in my pumps and this and now that I'm wearing like flats and like like I, I remember like even just getting dressed for this I was like oh Meredith is gonna look good so I gotta like dress up and I gotta, I gotta look like somewhat somewhat put together but that's what I'm saying being put together what I love about you is that you know sometimes I'm like you know I do want to be a mom someday but there aren't many people who are encouraging of like well I shouldn't say that there are just some people that are encouraging they're like oh if you have a kid you're not gonna be able to do comedy you're not gonna be able to do all of this and you do it all you're a mom, you're doing e-learning, um, you're doing comedy, you're funny. And on top of it, you still have like, which is hard to find in comedy. You've got a soul. I do still. There's a little does. remnant. It's like when the soap is almost gone in the shower, but and I'm hanging like, on for dear life. I'm going to make it work, which yeah. is what I want to know. How, what's your secret? Like, how do you make it work? How do you yeah. pull it together with the pumps? the jumpsuit, the jean jacket, and the lip that we both have Yeah, on. I mean, How do you I make think, it work? So the, the gift I was given when my divorce happened, which was a complete departure from what I thought life was going to be. So mm-hmm. I got married at 21, grew up in the church. I understood that I was going to be married and have babies and be a stay-at-home mom. And at the time I got divorced, I was as like a stay at home homeschool mom. And I, I adored it. I loved doing homeschooling. And then I would go and do stand up at night. Mm -hmm. And so it was completely feasible when I was married, but it's interesting. I can look back the first time I did stand up, I was wearing black skinny jeans, a black t-shirt and like just a chambray button up. And I was still trying to hide myself because I'm six feet tall. And so I've always felt like, oh, like my physical presence is so big in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And I have to tone that down for people. And then as I kept doing stand up and as I realized in my marriage, there were certain things that I was going to no longer tolerate and that I was worth more than what I was tolerating. You can see the progression of my clothing and even my lipstick. And because I realized, and I think this comes with getting older, like getting older as a woman is the most amazing thing ever. Like you just care less about what other people think more and more and more and more. And with the divorce, I was forced in one fell swoop to not care about what anyone thought yeah, or I was not going to survive. And so, yeah, now I do things like I have probably 30 different colors of lipstick and I love, I love lipstick. Like 
that's such a mundane, silly little thing, but it brings me joy. And I don't care if anyone else cares about my lipstick. It makes me happy. And so I forced myself, if I ever catch myself going to uh, conform right to someone else's idea of what something should look like. I'm like, wait, is this, is this bringing me joy? Mm -hmm. Is this life giving to me? And I think that's the, that's the most important thing anyone can do for themselves, let alone a performer and a creative, uh, person is you have to decide what it is that brings you joy And then you have to do that and you have to realize that not everyone's going to be on board at all. And that the people that aren't on board aren't your people. And Mm -hmm. that's not something that as women we're told is okay. We're supposed to please everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also a recovering people pleaser and yeah, it's yeah. rough. It's really rough. Yeah, no, I understand that. I um, I didn't grow up in a necessarily a religious house, household, but mm-hmm. you know, I grew up Italian, and uh, I came from a blended family, which I always explain. <laughs> so some people are like blended. It sounds like a, a Starbucks order, but it's. Uh, I, I understand how you feel in the sense of where it's. Uh, you know, people are like, oh yeah, you're gonna get married, you're gonna have kids, mm-hmm. you're gonna. It's There's gonna a be certain mine. trajectory. Yeah. There's a, you know, and I think because I was the last kid and I was the only kid between my two parents, my parents and, you know, I love them to death, but I think they were like, all right, like we had our families. Now this is the kid that's going to like go and do this. And then it wasn't that they didn't like that I was in theater. I think it was just kind of surprising. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, oh, you're so artistic, you know, like everybody else was in sports or, um, like, uh, I have like a people who are pharmacists. So I kind of shot out of nowhere as my mm-hmm. siblings like to call it. So I understand how you feel. Um, the thing different, the only difference for me was that I never felt like I had to please anybody. Cause I already knew I was like, Oh, I'm a weirdo. So I'm not going to please anybody. But I, uh, what I love about you though, is even though you, you know, you say you're recovering and all of this, what I love about you is like, yes, you're doing comedy, you're doing all of this, but you are still so family focused. I love seeing all the beautiful pictures mm. of you and your kids. I got to, I met Gus, I met in person yeah. when he was a little one because yeah. of the funny bone. It was so cute. You brought him in one night and I didn't even know you that well. And um, I was like, your son is so cute. You're like, you can hold him. Yeah. <laughs> and so like. This was pre-COVID, <laughs> right? Was, oh yeah. Oh, totally when pre-COVID. Babies yeah, shove anyone. babies So there's like a baby. So like, you know, I get a drink from the bar and Gus is, and your son was so cute. Mm. He gave me a kiss on the cheek and I was like. What a loving, yes, the which most obviously loving he gets mm. an example from you on that. And I, uh, I kind of wanted to ask like, what do your kids think about you doing comedy? Do they know they, about it? Yeah, they love it. Yeah. Um, I even had a really funny thing where when I started doing roast shows, mm-hmm. they wanted to know what that meant. And <laughs> so I explained it to them and my then nine-year-old and seven-year-old girls, I have two girls and then a boy, they were discussing what roasts were. And the younger one, Frankie was like, well, you're, you're too tall. How's the air? And I was like, girl, that is weak. (laughs) And that will not be acceptable in this house. Um, If you're going to roast, you're going to do it well. Mm -hmm. And so then we weren't talking about it at all. It was right around Christmas time. I was making dinner and I hear Eleanor, my eldest, say, hey, mom, I'd ask you to come in here and put the star on top of the tree, but that would be too low for you. Oh, my gosh. What? Pretty proud parenting moment, honestly, with that. So they love it. Although it was funny because around Halloween, we watch, uh, we like to watch different Halloween movies. Oh, understandable. And we watched Haunted Mansion, which has Eddie Murphy in it. (laughs) I mean, there's only so many Halloween movies. You're kind of scraping the bottom. You're just like, well, let's go back. Let's just go through the archive. Um, Yeah. And so they were asking about him. And so I always like to point out to them when someone in a movie or a TV show is a stand-up 
or started out doing stand-up so they can have some context. And so I told them that about Eddie Murphy. And then the next day on e-learning, I hear my daughter saying, my mom is just like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, okay. That's, I'll take it. <laughs> might need to be some more context, but. Right, right. Be like, um, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sure, like, this is what my next question was. Like, I'm sure all of these between your faith, your family, your life experiences, mm -hmm. even your even your divorce. I'm sure that inspires your comedy. Oh, 100%. How do you, what I kind of, and not to interrupt you, but what I love about you too is that you take these experiences, even the ones who, that would consider, you know, tragic, which we do in comedy a lot. We mm -hmm. take something that could be a tragedy and be sad in our lives and twist it to humor, right. which people can relate to. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say, would that be kind of your style of comedy kind of? Uh, Absolutely. I think mm -hmm. people get surprised at what I'm willing to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that's the most important thing is I get to, I'll get to do stand up in churches sometimes. And I don't really change my material very much between churches and the clubs. And so I have a lot about being pregnant and giving birth and pooping while giving birth. And yes, I did that in a church. And these little old ladies, the ones that you would expect to be so like, oh my gosh, did she really say that in mm -hmm. church? They came up to me afterwards and they were like, that's just how my pregnancy was. Why doesn't anyone ever talk about that? And then there was a little girl who happened to be there who hadn't been in church. She was six and she hadn't been in church since she had been baptized as a ba as an infant. And she was dying, like falling off of her pew because she was seeing a woman standing up there talking about pooping. <laughs> and I just feel like I have such a heart for the church, obviously growing up in it and being such a part of it. And it is doing most everything wrong right now. And I think many people can agree with that. And so I just looked at that and it's like, that's where the church needs to get back to is the humanity is the reality of who we are and how we were created. And we've got to stop sterilizing everything and pretending that these human experiences aren't things that every single one of us sitting in the pews are having. So yeah, I just think that's my, that's my favorite thing. And I think you'll, you'll maybe relate to this as a female stand-up comic. There have been times, especially early on, where I would go to an open mic, it would be all men, except for me, mm -hmm. on the lineup and not many people in the audience, right? And so something that I knew was funny, like I know this is a good joke, I do it and it wouldn't get good, a good response. Sure. And then I'd go and do it at a show or a showcase and it would get an amazing response because it was a, a crowd of normal people, right. not comics. And I would even have some guys come up to me and be like, we didn't know that was funny. And I'm like, that's what, the, like, we didn't know. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes you got to talk about what people are experiencing instead of just dick jokes. Oh, like yeah. there's so yeah. much more everyday life. And the other thing I adore about comedy is growing up being so tall and so awkward and never feeling like I fit in. Stand-up comedy is one of those things where the more and more and more and more you are yourself and you dive into what is unique about you, the more authentic your material is and the funnier it is. Yeah. And I adore that so much about stand-up because all of my, it doesn't fix everything, right? Sure. It doesn't fix all our trauma. And yeah. the, let me say this too, the wise attempting to be healthy stand-up comedians across the gamut are in therapy. Like we're not actually using stand-up as our therapy. <laughs> right. It helps because it's an outlet, but it is not, uh, not a substitute for real therapy. And yet the connection that can happen between people 
when you're on stage and you allow them to laugh at something that they previously didn't find funny, right? I have a joke about my divorce where um, people are like, oh, did you see signs? Did you see it coming? I say, well, he was watching a lot of Netflix, particularly a lot lot of Marie Kondo's life-changing magic of tidying up. Mm -hmm. And so he held me and decided I no longer sparked joy. Right. And joy is my middle name. Um, (laughs) And so... I laughed too because I also have seen her do this show. (laughs) But I did did that joke like right after the divorce. Mm -hmm. Like I... I don't think both in the experiencing this in the church and then also in society at large, we want to hide so much that we don't think is acceptable, that we're scared of what someone else is going to think about. And since my divorce and doing stand up, that's such a that's a privilege that we have that literally every single person can step into themselves. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is make the decision you no longer get to shame me for this. Your opinion on this no longer has any bearing on the decisions I make in my life. And it's, I just wish more of us would do that. No, that you have hit, first of all, very beautifully phrased. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh, you know, theater majors, we know how to say things. Okay. Uh, I do like that. No, I get made fun of by our fellow St. Louis stand-up comedians a lot for how uh, unnecessarily long my Instagram posts are. Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I like to wax poetic on how (laughs) I saw a spot on the floor and it reminded me of the beauty of the world. Listen, sometimes you have to have an oracle to discuss (laughs) it. I I get it. You know, here's the thing about social media. Look at it or don't. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes I'm like, maybe I don't have the time to read it right now. But who knows? Maybe later I'll be in bed, like, and I look at stuff and I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. Meredith said something very enlightening. Um, but no, what I, I, I agree with you because I think I probably told you this, obviously not on here, but uh, my sister was going through a divorce at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. She was getting hers. I think hers was obviously closer to being finalized and then yours had just started. Um, but I remember the first time, I don't think it was the very first time maybe you did it. Or maybe it was, I don't know. <laughs> but I, uh, I was there and I remember you were like, I'm going through a divorce. And it was like, it was an open mic. And I was yeah. like, Woo-hoo! Right. Yeah. <laughs> and literally one time Meredith was so cute. She's like, and Molly's got me every time, you know, she claps every time yeah. I say that. Well, I, I understand that because it is such a brave thing. And I, I know that sounds so cliche and I, I should be thinking of better vernacular. No, and I apologize. Woman calling something brave. Right. I'm like, no. I, I'm not a thesaurus guys. I'm not that smart. I'm sorry. Um, I need Webster dictionary ASAP. Um, but I do think that, a lot of times I've heard this other comedians who are obviously much famous, much more famous than I am. Talk about that is like using comedy. You have control almost over the events that you do have. Um, and I do think that it is very inspirational that you use that, uh, but talking about even just your process, I told Meredith earlier, I did some stalking on her <laughs> for this interview, like I do with everybody. <laughs> and I found this lovely article about you in St. Louis Magazine. Uh, they used an interview you did with our mutual friend, Chris Sear, mm-hmm. who helps run St. Louis Independent Comedy. Um, you were talking about the process of, you know, you first start when you do comedy, you do open mics, mm-hmm. then you start doing showcases and you're yeah. hosting at clubs. Uh, with the pandemic, that has kind of come to a shutdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain places are opening up here. We have different, we have, you know, in the Midwest, I know there's other places too. Um, just things are a little bit, we'll just say more different than they maybe Absolutely. once were. Uh, what have you been doing uh, during the meantime? I know you've been producing Hoppy Happy Hour, and then I've been seeing you hosted a couple of places. Why don't you yes. tell us a little bit about that? I think, you know, we all set out at the beginning of this pandemic, here's the self-improvement I'm going to do, and here's all the books I'm going to read, and the language I'm going to learn, and I'm going to bake bread, and all this stuff. (laughs) Right. And the reality is, is that even in our attempts to have time and rest, it still became about production. 
Mm -hmm. and how much can I produce in my time of self-improvement? And I'm so guilty of that too. Same. I like quantifiable (laughs) things. Um, love a good before and after picture. That's just how we are um, conditioned to be and what we're conditioned to react to. And I found myself really beating myself up because I didn't feel like I was producing very much. And I finally had to get to a point and I read a book that I recommend everyone read untamed by Glennon Doyle. I bought that book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. It's every woman especially should read it. It's really funny because I read it and I thought, Oh, if my mom reads this, it would be really good for a relationship. And I thought I can just ask her to read it. I'll just ask her to read it. So I asked her to read it. But at the same time, I had just ended things with the guy I was seeing. And Glennon Doyle is married to Abby Wambach, who's an Olympian soccer player. And so I'm talking to my mom. I'm wanting to know what she thinks of the book. And she's like, honey, do you have something to tell us? Oh, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Like right. not a lot's going on. Yeah. And nothing's she happening. was like, we love you no matter what. And I was like, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. No, she thought I was coming out because I had ended things with a guy and then made Aww. her read a book. That's so sweet though. She's like, don't worry. We love you. And you're right, like, that's, right. that's I'm like, good. I wish like, sometimes I think life would be easier if well, I could, but turns out it's not a choice. Right. It's not right. a choice. Mm-hmm. I know it was a choice that we uh, <laughs> suddenly had matching jean jackets. But, is. You know. Mine is from the Bloomington Normal Gap in Eastland Mall circa night circa 2002. And I told Meredith mine is from found by the pound, but it may possibly be from 2002. <laughs> yeah. You know, who knows? Who has the we magic of thrifting, right? The magic of thrifting. We're not, we're not quite sure. Uh, but no, I, I haven't read that book yet. I did buy it. it. Um, I am reading a book. I think you'll like it too. It's called grand by Sarah Schaefer. Okay. And she's 40 and she's going on a, uh, whitewater rafting trip nice and in between because she's like trying she's like oh you know with each of my siblings i'm going on a trip um to do something with them and this is the one that she did with her sister and in between i haven't finished it yet so that's why i don't have the ending but in between she has her life story Mm -hmm. in between each one that's great so she connects the trip with her childhood almost so it just it's talks about growth and facing Mm -hmm. your fears and it's just i'm not doing it justice because she's such a great writer and she's written for Jimmy Kimmel and all that um, cool. or maybe Jimmy I gotta look at the I'm sorry Shara Shaper it's one of those Jimmys you know she wrote for a Jimmy but, uh, and then what I do know she was with uh, Nikki Glazer on uh, Not Safe but it's that it's just a really beautiful thing to see women writing such beautiful material like mm-hmm. that, which brings me to you. Uh, you've been writing, uh, I'm sure a lot of stuff during this break, but mm-hmm. the, uh, what, um, I kind of wanted to highlight is that you were just in Mason city limits comedy club. Is that I correct? Was. How did that I show was. go? It was so fun. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. I got to headline that show and it was just, it was a crowd that wanted to be there, just this super small off the road venue where what I love about what I love about stand-up comedy, and especially when it's at a club, is that people have come there to watch comedy. Mm-hmm. And we run into a lot doing shows at other venues, restaurants, barbecue spots, barbecues. <laughs> um where you're not necessarily there because Mm -hmm. you came to watch comedy. And when an entire audience is connected to you and we're so people are so ready to laugh Mm -hmm. right now. So ready, but also have to be retrained to laugh in public and that it's okay to make noise and be seen because we've been sitting on our couches just kind of, zoning out for so long. And so I always, if I'm hosting an open mic or a comedy show where I know there are a lot of people who have never attended a comedy show, I make it clear, like, we want you to laugh. This is a responsive thing. And that's why during the pandemic, I've almost 
even versus a live show where people are masked, because there are some venues where you have to stay masked the entire Entire time, time. Mm -hmm. unless you're taking a drink. So then what happens for us as stand-ups is not only is your audible reaction muffled, but we lose all your Mm nonverbals as well. And so what I've actually loved is this, I got to do a couple Zoom shows for flappers in Burbank, which is like, that's magical. I did right? one with Meredith, so we got to there do it together. something, there's a lot to be upset about and disheartened about with this pandemic, but there have been things through the magic of Zoom and the internet that would have never happened before this that I'm very thankful for. But what I love about the flappers one is that they put the whole audience yeah. on the screen on zoom. So even if someone chooses to be muted, right? Cause people get very self-conscious about it. Yeah. You can still see their nonverbals and there's still that connection and exchange of energy. And it's just, I've, I prefer that almost to mm-hmm. a super small, super distanced yeah. live show. Yeah, no, that, that was, that was a really cool experience. I know you've done a couple. I was very happy, you know, again, to our Jewish dad slash uncle, Yale Hollander. Uh, he put Meredith and I on a show together and that was one of the best parts. And I think your parents, didn't they tune in on that? Well, they did. And, you know, I... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing. (laughs) Yeah. They're so supportive. They're the most amazing people. They thought I was going to be an opera singer when I was growing up and now I do this. And so my, (laughs) my sweet dad, even the first time, I think it was a show here at Sophie's actually that he came Mm to, he, but it was the first time I did any material about being divorced and having to jump back into the dating scene and trying to learn how to sext, which isn't a very, you know, that's not a, no dad is real thrilled about hearing that. So afterwards he said, well, I certainly don't like the material but there's no denying that your delivery is impeccable. Oh, I love that he used impeccable. Isn't that the best way? That's just the best, that's the best way to still be supported. Yep. While being a dad. It's It's true. It's just, it's great, but they were on it. And I tried out a new joke about during the pandemic, my parents did more invasive genetic testing. Oh. And like the genealogy stuff you can do. Yeah. But through it, my, the first time I saw my mom in person, she said, Meredith, I need to tell you something in private. We did the more invasive genetic testing. Bad news is I do have that other breast cancer, Jane. She's a breast cancer survivor. So you are going to get it. But the good news is your dad is autistic. That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. And I did that joke for the first time without telling them. Yeah. Yeah. So then normally they're so supportive. I get a call or a text immediately after a show and I got nothing that night. (laughs) And so the next day I actually texted my mom, which proves I'm not a serial killer mom because I do initiate communication with you. And uh, all moms have found that one Facebook article floating around that says serial killers don't like to talk on the phone and they've sent it to their kids. I'm aware. (laughs) She, so she, I said, Hey, how'd you guys like the show? And she texts back, well, we like the Jewish guy. Nothing. Nothing about me at all. If it makes you feel any better, my mom also loves the Jewish guy, a.k.a. Yale Hollander. An entire people, the weight of it is on on Yale Hollander. (laughs) And it's Passover right now. How apropos. Um, Very fitting, but go ahead. so, (laughs) So finally, she said, well, your dad's feelings were a little hurt about that autism joke which means she was embarrassed. And so do you think instead you could say that he has Asperger's and he's in Mensa? (laughs) What? 
Yeah. Mets, for all of, the, all of you that are lucky enough not to know, is a genius society. It is. It's true. She's right. It's a genius society. Um, he is, in fact, in Mensa. He is. One of my last acts of oh, rebellion. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my last acts of rebellion is even though I could join Mensa, I refuse to because I don't like exclusive clubs. <laughs> Um, so that's like my one act of adult rebellion. But so I just told my mom, no, I can't say that mom, but I can tell every audience from here on out that you asked me to. Right. Like that's, (laughs) that's how I thank you for giving birth to me is by not keeping any confidence. Oh my God. You're (laughs) see, I love how like, you're like, Oh, my mom's what I didn't even ask my parents. They came to see a show, which our mutual friend spark Mm -hmm. Tabor produced in Cincinnati. It was their first show. They saw at this lovely club in Cincinnati called go bananas. And spark was like, Hey, I know you're going to be in town for the, this was obviously two years ago, but um, he's like, I know you're going to be in town for uh, Christmas. Do you want to be on my show? Mm -hmm. And I was like, hell yeah, like sign me up. So it's like people, it's basically everybody that came back in town to Cincinnati. My whole family comes, my sisters, Aww. even a couple of my nieces. So and like, fun. I was like, listen, my parents have known me since day one. I'm like the crazy sibling. Yeah. Of this so I like got up there. I was like, yeah, you know, so I took plan B for the first time this year or something. Give it up for me. <laughs> and I didn't even, my mom goes, I can't believe that you said that. And my dad goes, what is, what is plan B? And I'm like, literally, joke like so one of us one of you know one of us could get into mensa one of us can't uh, so i am the one who didn't get into mensa on this podcast like meredith is like that's the act of rebellion i didn't go i didn't do it i didn't go and i'm like i was too dumb to get in so i'm not going but you know it's okay now i feel like with dating i can tell guys are sizing me up with like oh could could I make a basketball baby with her? Um, here's the thing, you couldn't. Because uh, <laughs> there's no athletic skill here. And even if you were like an NBA player, there's no guarantee that it's mm-hmm. going to weigh out my lack of athletic ability. But I can make you a brainy baby. Oh, well, okay. We need some brains. I can make you a tall brainy baby. So this is this is what I'm getting out of this podcast. And we'll get into, on this side of the table, uh, we're going to have a brainy, beautiful, tall baby. And then on this side, uh, my family is very athletic. So you'll probably get a, a football player or maybe a bat. I was supposed to be tall. That didn't happen. Uh, a lot of things didn't happen for me. So that's where we're at. So whatever, baby, good luck. Um, but yeah, no, speaking, I'm just kidding, you guys. I'm very excited to be a mom someday. So uh, speaking hey, of Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. So well, here's, so, this is what I'll make you laugh about too. So my boyfriend, Jimmy, who he does comedy because here. Molly found a unicorn. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Molly's in a functional, relate, healthy relationship with another comedian. It's true. I was not expecting that either. I encourage everyone else to not try that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to date a comedian either. So I was very surprised that that even happened. Um, but there's a joke that he had about like, uh, I, I won't get too much into it because I don't want to embarrass him, but he was talking about his wife in a joke. And yes, when I first started <laughs> and I was still married and I went up to him after the open mic and I said, Hey, I'd love it if my then husband and I could have dinner with you and your wife. And he says, I don't have a wife. That's just for the bit. And I went home and cried because I was like, people are up there lying. Why would anyone lie? I know. It was so heartbreaking. I was so heartbroken. And yet I still dated a couple comedians. So what did I learn? And I'm like, wow, look at these morons. They're all liars. Like I'm like so jaded and Meredith has a soul. I love it. Um, But speaking of having a soul, uh, this, uh, 
this is a hashtag that I'm going to start doing. Um, I, I always talk to people and I love that. Thank you to listeners that have written in or reviewed or subscribed to the podcast. I get, I get interview or interviews. I do have interviews here on this she podcast. Does. I do. We're having one right now, but I, um, I have subscribers that write in and they go, you know, thanks so much for being so positive. Um, there's a lot of positive vibes on this podcast. I really appreciate that input. So I'm going to start doing for the month of spring or the month of spring, the season of spring, Man, guys, we've only um, had one drink. We've only had one drink. Maybe I just Chris can't talk. Did put something. <laughs> Gosh, it's because like Molly, because I refer to myself in third person, is exhausted. Um, like weird people on Facebook do when they uh, write in a third person profile. Um, casually, hashtag casually in bloom. Uh, it's spring. You know, we're all trying to do things. We're trying to be productive. Or, you know, if you're just, you know, falling back into something that uh, you maybe did before the pandemic or found during the pandemic and you're trying to carry it on, um, casually in bloom, uh, just what are you blossoming in during this time? You could be even, you know, what I, I always say about stuff like this is like, it can be something small, just like, you know, putting your kids to bed on time or, you know, doing lawn more, I don't know, like taking out the trash. But what I, uh, I asked some people to write in and I'll actually read those Aww. first before I get into myself. So uh, Bridget Yu from Florissant, Missouri says she is uh, casually shopping for a new condo and maybe even getting a new tattoo. Uh, could be all the opportunities. Yes. Yeah, Bridget, get that new tattoo. And then uh, Julia from South County, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, casually launching my business, which Aww. is very productive, uh, casually trying to figure out where my hot UPS guy went. I think he changed routes. Did he go on your route out there? He didn't. In fact, a guy that I love listening to, Dr. Henry Cloud, he co-wrote Boundaries, if anyone's read that book. And he's got all this new stuff about dating. And especially for Christian women, we're often like, God's just going to bring a man. <laughs> into my, my house door. and he's very clear like unless you're planning on dating the ups guy you need to get out of your house and start dating other people because that's the only guy that god is going to bring right to your door i know i think we're just spoiled with amazon nowadays for like unless he's a hot which i've never here's the thing meredith and i've had this discussion a couple of times on this podcast and one of them is with our mutual friend brendan olson who's been on the, Look, and, I did the i did the milk jug challenge with brendan see, we there tried you to go. drink a gallon of milk and he puked right next to me Oh my, when was this? Was this recently? I was still blonde. Oh, so this was a while back. Okay. So, uh, he and Megan Phelps came on and mm. I was talking about an Amazon driver that actually tried to rob me, which was a whole other story. And before I got into that point, Megan's like, was he hot or something? And I just was like, I've no. never seen a hot. I've never I've seen never a hot. Seen I'm a like, hot. where are these hot? Because the, people are always like, maybe that baby's the mailman. Yeah, like, who's that's always the mailman is this? Like, like, so okay. who are these mailmen? And follow me. At right. Meredith Hopping. <laughs> Pop the tool. Thank <laughs> you. Pop right that handle you. right on the screen. But yeah, I haven't had that either. The only guy I told them that I had... I think this is the only episode I mentioned it on. And uh, if there were other ones, I apologize, but not really because it's worth talking about. When I was in high school, we had this really hot garbage man that would come Ooh. out and he just had like these beautiful blue eyes. And I was like 16 and awkward, obviously in a school uniform because I went to an all girls high school. Uh, so there, don't worry, you got that Catholic background there mm -hmm. going on. But uh, that that's the only guy. And then I haven't seen anybody beautiful since. So yeah. Uh, if you're if you're a hot UPS driver, hot Amazon driver, I've already spoken for. She's but spoken please follow for. Meredith Hopping. There you go. I am not. <laughs> but uh, what about you, Meredith? Uh, what is making you casually in bloom? I think what I'm trying to hold myself to, especially as we're in this, has it been really been a year, mm -hmm. right? Since the initial shutdown and since the initial two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> is I am really, and this goes along with being a recovering people pleaser, I am really trying to settle into boundaries mm -hmm. and the art of saying no. So, which is very hard, uh, both as a woman and as a people pleaser and as someone who has shared custody of my children where 
I feel like in the time that I'm not with them, I'm supposed to get everything done. Like right. I've got to be a good steward of that time in order to honor that I don't get to be with them. And especially this week, the way it falls uh, with our custody is because it's an odd year. My ex-husband gets them for both spring break and Easter, mm -hmm. and that's falling consecutively this year. So I ended up not being with my kids for 12 days. Oh, yeah. And it has depressed me and made me feel horrible. And I realized like, oh, I'm not getting my stuff out for the first hump day happy hour of the month. And I was like, oh, I'm in charge of that. I'm not doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, we're not, no one has the expectation that it needs to be on there, that it no. needs to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm instead putting invisible pressure on myself when in reality, I, do, I don't want to do that. I want to take care of myself and yeah. both be aware of the grief that I have when I'm separated from my children and know, okay, what do I do to care for myself in this? And so really just saying no to what doesn't serve me. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. Saying no to what doesn't serve you. Oh, I'm going to use that in my everyday life now. I'm sure I stole it from someone. I'm, I mean, it's okay. I don't want to. It's okay. We're not going to be like, excuse me. Um, this is a copywritten <laughs> and phrase. And all I've done, I tried to do a solo camping trip last summer. I kind of I ended that. up sleeping in a Walmart parking lot <laughs> because apparently you got to make reservations at a campsite. You do. I, it's true. As somebody who did do a lot of camping prior to this, I, I, we can go into my whole Ohio history on a different podcast, but that, that'll be different. Um, <laughs> Key, do you mind popping on the mic for a second? <laughs> Hi. Hi. Oh my goodness. So everybody that is listening, I know on YouTube, you can't see her, but on audio, this is Key. She's one of my favorite people. Mm, she works amazing. the tech. Hello. Hello. Key, what are you doing that's casually in bloom? Why don't you tell us? while we're sitting here. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like, you know, we can do any crazy ragers right now. So it's fine. What do you, you can rage by yourself in your apartment. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> I do that every day. Oh, right. Every day is a rager <laughs> when you're key. <laughs> Cheers to that. Yeah. Well, you're like doing a bunch of shows here, right? Yeah, I think. For sure, focusing more on uh, promoting myself mm -hmm. instead of like other people yeah. and getting my stuff out there, knowing that I do a lot of stuff, but you do. Yeah. Making sure people know that I'm doing it and having it on like my YouTube and stuff like that. I'm it's also true. I'm going to be traveling with my undefined. Uh, friend. That I can yeah. What DTR is stands for define the relationship. I was like, Meredith, what was your, uh, your little abbreviation that you had earlier before we started recording? Wait, yeah. where are you going camping? No, we're going to be taking a few road trips. Oh, that's so fun. I'm still on mine. I'm still on camping. I'm like, where are you going? Are you in a tent? The Walmart parking lot? What's going on? I guess we'll be camping. I don't know. But who knows? What are the initials again? DTR. Yeah. <laughs> Define the relationship. We've not done that. We're just hanging out. I like and that. And that's fine. That's fine. So you're going on road trips. You're doing cool shit. That's awesome. Yeah. She's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Key, for that input. Anytime. 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 Gotta be safe because of COVID and stuff right. like that, but responsibly oh, yeah. yeah responsibly going on a road trip mm -hmm. i understand that i uh i've been doing a lot more meditation lately which i know again sounds like a cliche but um no. there's a podcast i've been listening to and that's going to be my casually in bloom is uh it's called mindful in minutes okay. and it's this really just nice woman like she just mm -hmm. sounds like a good person i don't i know it sounds like weird because you're listening to somebody's voice but um just her meditation it kind of goes into um all the positive affirmations that i want to do which i will say uh, why I'm doing it is really because I have an issue. And what I love about you, Meredith, is that you're so open to positivity. I am a positive person, but sometimes I'm very skeptical. 
to yeah. it. And yeah. I feel like I'm a little jaded mm-hmm. for that. Uh, so one of my goals is like, you know, not everything is bad and not all positivity is bad. And people who exude positivity, such as Meredith, are I mean, key. it can be annoying. Can Let's be, annoying. be clear. Let's be clear. I've been trying to add that more into my life. And I found this podcast and I don't do it every day, but I do it like every few days or so. And it's a nice way to be centered. And then I, uh, there was another one I thought of, and I didn't even write this down, but, um, I thought of you speaking of your oracles that you have on Facebook where you're Oracle like, Oracle makes me think of never ending story. Oh, I love never-ending stories. And then the what... ladies with the, the phoenix, is, are phoenixes? I no, think so. with the boobs that kill people with their eyes. Oh, I gotta rewatch this, what? I just remember Do the you big know what fluffy I'm dog. About he? Yes. he knows. I just remember the big dog yeah. that was in a never-ending like, story. Yes, that's the energy I'm yeah, coming there into. There it is. Summer 2021 with. Oh, absolutely. Um, No, that's the energy we need. We got to go in there. Boobs um, out, eyes killing. (laughs) That's what what I needed today. Um, I told (laughs) Meredith and Key earlier, I was like, oh my gosh, I had to drop all this money on my car. And like part of it was just because car life. The other part was that I should have jumped on this sooner. So Mm. I should have just jumped in with boobs out or eyes or whatever we were talking about. But um, whatever we were saying with the eyes, something like that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sad about this. And then Mm. I thought about your post, how something happened with your car. And you were like, I could have been super sad about this. Oh, my goodness. But I went and took a walk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's broken down a few times during the pandemic. But mine, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I decided, no, I can. It's three miles to my apartment. I'm going to walk and see what I see and what would I have missed if I hadn't taken this walk Mm -hmm. in this time. And it was also super liberating to not call anyone, right? To just have the car at the shop and be like, oh, I did this on my own and it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I did. I dropped the car at the shop this morning. I went to work. I was like, oh, like, you know, this is going to be hard. But then once I got it back and I mean, it was, I was a lot of money. I paid it. But then once it was like working and stuff, I was like, oh my God, I handled this. And right. it was done. There's something about, and it's not, an, I hate the term adulting. I want that to die. I think that's right. real dumb. Yeah. However, there's something about mundane things getting them done that remind you that living is possible right that's it sounds silly but it's just like oh this got taken care of this happened in order for this to now work and there's something super satisfying yes. about that absolutely see that's why I thought I was like oh my gosh Molly you gotta have more faith in yourself mm-hmm. like you can handle this stuff it's gonna yep. be okay what we ask at the end of the each episode here is what advice would you maybe give yourself now from back when or uh, possibly anybody in your position or just anything that you would casually advise people at this time yeah I think my biggest mantra in life is to tell myself that I don't know everything and that there is always something that I can learn from everyone. And so I have like a pump up playlist, right? That I listen to Me too. before a show, but yeah. one of the most important songs on there is humble by Kendrick Lamar. And yes. is it humble? Is that right? Yeah. I have it on, I have it on my playlist. <laughs> so that reminder to like sit down and shut up and be aware of your surroundings and be aware of who around you has the gift to give you of wisdom because no, the, one of the most beautiful things about humanity and life is that not a single one of us have the exact same experience. And so there is something to learn from literally everyone. And if you can accept that and also have a healthy balance of, oh, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm capable of. And yet I know that I can always be better. And I only get better by asking other people and seeking out ways to be better actively so yes oh yeah beautifully phrased yet again um but speaking of beautifully phrased uh what 
think. Um, I was about to say, what other great things can we see you talk about or do? How can we follow you on social media? Yes, please follow me. Yeah, Keith. <laughs> That's what she gets paid the big bucks for. Exactly. I, follow me on social media. That's definitely the best way. I told myself that while the kids were gone, I was going to learn how to build my own website. That hasn't happened, but I'm going to work on it. And I do keep on my Instagram. I keep all my shows updated. I've got some shows coming up in Peoria, Illinois, and also mark your calendars for May 8th. That's Mother's Day weekend, a Saturday. I have a very exciting show that's going to be at Mad Art Gallery, and it's going to be a full supper club, full dinner, hearkening back to the days of Mrs. Maisel. Yes. And all the comics will be dressed up. And so I had to ask guys, like, do you have a suit? Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a very exciting evening, a great thing to bring your mom to. Yeah. So you can bring her to this and then maybe not have to go to church. (laughs) I love that. That's great. Sorry. God, <laughs> it's sorry. Right. No, God does not care. Oh, I need to stop. Let's just stop. Let's stop. It's a good stopping point. It's a great stopping point. Uh, just remember, speaking of stopping, <laughs> you should just stop right now and casually subscribe to the Casually Molly podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on Instagram, as you saw if you're watching on YouTube on our lovely handle tool. Uh, you can also look up on uh, Facebook. We're on audio. Uh, anything that basically any audio services that uh, you can use or find that's uh, where we're at. And just remember, if you want to leave a review, just let us know, like what episodes are you enjoying? What do you want to hear on the podcast? Who do you want to hear? Just let me know. I'm more than welcome to uh, take any thoughts or ideas. Uh, But now that our show is done, Meredith, I always ask, what are we going to casually do now? Now that this episode is over, what are you up to next? We're probably going to make Chris make us another drink. We might. We got to go hit up Chris after this. (laughs) Well, bye everybody. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you.